You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, it is December 16th, 2020, and today we're going to talk a little bit about Mitch McConnell congratulating quote-unquote President-elect Joe Biden and saying that the Electoral College has spoken. This was a headline that caught my attention yesterday, and I did not have an opportunity to read it, read more than the headline, I should say, yesterday when the news broke that Mitch McConnell started uh, his process of encouraging Republicans not to contest the 2020 election results, despite ongoing investigations and legal disputes pertaining to the election. I want to read what The Blaze has to say about this from yesterday. Starting from the top, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, on Tuesday congratulated President-elect Joe Biden on winning the presidential election, saying that the Electoral College has spoken. According to reports, McConnell has also privately urged Senate Republicans not to contest the results of the election in Congress, despite President Donald Trump's ongoing challenges to the outcome. During a speech from the Senate floor, McConnell spent several minutes heaping praise on Trump and listing the president's many accomplishments during his term before saying, Many millions of us had hoped that the presidential election would yield a different result, but our system of government has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January 20. He added, The Electoral College has spoken, so today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The New York Times reported, quote, a short time later, on a private call with Senate Republicans, Mr. McConnell and his top deputies pleaded with their colleagues not to join members of the House in objecting to the election results on January 6, when Congress meets to ratify the Electoral College's decision, according to three people familiar with the remarks. Alabama Representative Mo Brooks, Republican, has vowed to challenge the Electoral College votes in House. The GOP congressman made his decision nearly two weeks ago, explaining, in my judgment, if only lawful votes by eligible American citizens were cast, Donald Trump won the Electoral College by a significant margin, and Congress's certification should reflect that. According to Politico, quote, if a Republican senator joins the effort, however, it will force both chambers to take a vote on the election, but they have yet to get official buy-in from any GOP senators. Meanwhile, President Trump continues to insist the election was rigged against him and that Biden won due to widespread voter fraud. He tweeted Tuesday, tremendous evidence pouring in on voter fraud. There has never been anything like this in our country. And of course, Twitter, as a side note here, Twitter has the little uh, alert on President Trump's tweet saying this claim about election fraud is disputed. Well, of course, it's disputed by Twitter. The president also retweeted a post from pro-Trump attorney Lynn Wood, who stated that Georgia's Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger will soon be going to jail over their handling of the election in their state. Wood tweeted photos doctored to show Kemp and Raffensperger wearing masks with the Chinese flag, writing, President Trump, real Donald Trump, is a genuinely good man. He does not really like to fire people, but I bet he dislikes putting people in jail, especially, quote-unquote, Republicans. He gave Brian Kemp, Georgia, and Secretary of State of Georgia every chance to get it right. They refused. They will soon be going to jail. So, that is the article from The Blaze, and there's a number of things here that I want to unpack a bit and respond to. The first being that Mitch McConnell 
decided to recognize Joe Biden as having won the Electoral College. The Electoral College has spoken, Mitch McConnell says, and that's that. When we accept the results of the 2020 election on the terms of Democrats, despite massive evidence of widespread coordinated significant voter fraud sufficient to turn the results of the election, when we accept that, are we doing our nation a favor? Are we doing our country justice? Are we doing the law and the Constitution justice? I personally do not think so. I personally do not believe that is the case. I think that for Mitch McConnell to throw in the towel here, which is exactly what he's doing, that that is a disservice to our country. I think that he's making a move that he believes to be politically expedient. He's deciding to cut his losses, and as the Senate Majority Leader for the Republicans, he is encouraging his fellow Republicans in the Senate to cut their losses. Let's just leave it right here. Let's accept that Biden is going to be the president-elect. I think that's very unfortunate, and there's no real explanation for why. There's no real treatment of the allegations of voter fraud. It's as though they don't exist. It's as though they don't matter if they do exist. And I just can't believe that. I can't believe that there would be so little courage, so little curiosity with regards to the allegations, with regards to the evidence. Initially, the insistence was from the mainstream media and from Democrats that there was no fraud. And never Trump Republicans from the outset were scoffing at this idea that there was fraud. And when I pressed one Republican, one conservative that is in my family who will remain nameless, but he bears my last name as well as I do. When I pressed him on why he was dismissing the evidence that was building and growing within the first week of fraud, massive fraud in this election, it came out that he thinks Trump cannot leave soon enough. He's been a very divisive figure. His rhetoric has been very unhelpful, has been very damaging, very destructive, very contentious. And that as far as he's concerned, the sooner Trump leaves, the sooner other leaders can step up with more dignity, with more decorum, with more respectability and lead the Republican Party and lead America towards better, better days. Now, I personally think that regardless of the political necessity of McConnell working with the president for this first term of President Trump's, I think at the end of the day, the reason why he worked with Trump is the same reason why he's quick to throw in the towel here. Mitch McConnell is a political animal. He is shrewd. He is a operator. And that's why he's in the position that he's in. That's why he's been in politics for so long. That's how he's remained in politics for so long. He is able to survive and he's able to keep his position by reading the tea leaves and playing it smart and playing it safe. And in this case, he is making the wrong bet, I believe. I think there was a long, long time where Republicans were seen as feckless with good reason, that Republicans were seen as not principled, not adhering to their values in any kind of genuine way. Their values, as advertised, were conservative 
ideas. And at the end of the day, when push came to shove, they weren't willing to fight for those ideas. So did they really believe in those ideas or were they controlled opposition? Were they controlled opposition, whether they had been bought, whether they secretly held to ideas other than the ones that they had claimed when they ran for office? Or were they just afraid? Were they controlled by fear of what a fight would ultimately mean? Fear of how far their opposition, how far their enemy was willing to go in bringing the fight to them. And in our day, the left, the radical left, is willing to go very far indeed. I don't think actually that there is a limit on how far they're willing to go in pursuing their political agenda. But there is definitely a limit on how far Republicans are willing to go. And insofar as the Democrats note that line, past which we are not willing to fight for our ideas, they know all they have to do is fight us right up to that line and we're done for. Not because every last one of us is willing to throw in the towel so easily as Mitch McConnell, but because enough of the leadership of the party of the Republican establishment, enough of the leadership is willing to throw us under the bus in the name of expedience if that's what it takes in order for them to secure their political futures, in order for them to go back to their comfortable, numb existence, shaking hands, being bipartisan, so to speak, but ultimately at the end of the day, giving the left by and large what it wants. They make a deal, and very often we are the ones who are standing on principle who get sold out, sold down the river. That is unfortunate, and that is the way that the world works. For a very, very long time, that has been the way of things that has been very much in keeping with human nature. I think about Scotland under William Wallace and Robert the Bruce and King Edward. And I think about the nobles in the movie Braveheart who initially are repulsed by William Wallace. And insofar as he is a firebrand and he is calling every one of his countrymen out for being complicit in the conquest of Scotland, the dependence on England that comes with being subjugated by King Edward, insofar as Wallace stirs up the common people to join in this fight for independence so that Scotland can retain its independence, the nobles who benefit financially are not for it. The nobles who are already fairly comfortable, even if the King of England is going to make things hard for Scotland, potentially. The nobles who are comfortable and are afraid of losing their comfortability for whatever reason they might lose it, they end up selling William Wallace out. They don't support him. They don't back him. And he is taken. He loses his fight for independence. And subsequently, Robert the Bruce ends up taking up that mantle of Scottish independence after Wallace is out of the way. I think that is what the Republican leadership has in mind with Donald Trump being thrown under the bus, as it were, despite massive evidence of election fraud in the 2020 election. I think that the establishment has done fairly well in the midst of this contentious back and forth between right and left. 
They profit off of this. This is their get-rich-quick scheme. And so far as the race hustlers, for instance, don't really want anybody to believe that the racial tension, the racial animosity between black and white, racial oppression and injustice in this country is by and large a thing of the past insofar as race hustlers want black Americans in particular, but also Americans of every skin color, to believe that this is as existential a threat to minority rights as ever so that they are invited to speak, so that they are asked to be the face of movements to bring supposed racial justice. Insofar as the race hustlers profit and they have their business model predicated on perpetuating the dysfunction, I think we have a picture of establishment Republicans who have done very well profiting off of the right-left divide. Status quo, the equilibrium between right and left, can't be disturbed, can't be upset too, too much, or else we have a problem. And the problem is that it maybe leaves them in a questioning place as to what their future holds. You know, what is it that they do if President Trump is ultimately successful? What is it that they do if this rabbit hole of widespread, coordinated, comprehensive, massive fraud is correct? What if all of these various people at various levels across the country are guilty and you go after them and all of a sudden that dismantles the left in America? What if all of a sudden you end up being successful beyond your wildest dreams in accomplishing and enacting the conservative agenda that maybe is scary to Republicans who have built their identity around you need me, around I am the only person who can handle this. This is very difficult, and I've got to step in, and I've got to maneuver and finagle. What does that do for them? Also, I think, what does it do for them if they have not been such great fighters? What if they've been in on and complicit in the fraud for a long time? What if it has been going on for a long time, a lot longer than the 2020 election? And that's why we have milk toast Republicans, because they were the ones who were selected by fraud to be controlled opposition. There's a lot of uncomfortable possibilities, but at the end of the day, only God knows for sure. We, meanwhile, are left wondering to some extent, what is Mitch McConnell thinking in encouraging Republicans to not contest this election. What is he thinking? Why is he doing this? I personally think he's looking at it from the standpoint of cutting his losses and being conservative and not wanting to risk a civil war, not wanting to risk Republicans losing the long game. And I think, unfortunately, this is a tactical error on his part, if we don't fight this here, then what are we left with in 2024? What are we left with in the long game? Do we have a long game? Do you have Republicans? Do you have conservatives? Do you have people that were voting Republican because they were expecting the Republicans to save America from leftist radicals? Do you have those people coming back to vote for Republicans like Mitch McConnell again when he threw in the towel, when he congratulated Joe Biden? I don't know. 
I'm not so sure you do. I'm seeing video from angry people that voted for Trump because he was a fighter, because what he was saying made sense to them. And they're angry with Republicans for failing, for refusing to step up to the plate here. And they're saying, I'm never going to vote Republican again. If this is what Republicans do, and this is what they're about, and this is as little as they're willing to fight, I'm never voting Republican again. I'm going to be voting nationalist. Well, that right there on top of the fraud is the kind of thing that costs you in the long run, Mitch McConnell. It may not be that your calculations are correct in this case. I think that they're not correct. But what's done is done. Mitch McConnell has thrown his weight behind just accepting Joe Biden as president-elect, regardless of the avenues available to continue contesting this. I think that's very unfortunate. I think that that is an unwise decision, but the die is cast. So we'll see. I hope that other Republicans, I hope Republican senators and congressmen don't listen to Mitch McConnell. I hope that they do throw in with the contesting the election business. But it does make me wonder if a senator joins in the House Republican contesting the electors and their legitimacy. I do wonder how Republicans like Mitch McConnell vote. I do wonder whether they just vote with the Democrats because they think that that is for the good of their political futures, for the good of the country. Is it really, though? I mean, if it's predicated on a lie, if it's predicated on dishonesty, if it's predicated on fraud, is that really what's good for the country? I don't think so, especially if you're willing to indulge and affirm a lie because you're afraid of threats of violence or actual violence that's being carried out. If those are the people that you're giving your power over to because you're afraid of them, then those are the people who will actually be running the country for the next four years and the next indefinite number of years. Those will be the people actually calling the shots. And they'll know whatever they want, all they have to do is throw a tantrum about it. All they have to do is stomp their foot and hold their breath until they turn blue. All they have to do is rough up some elderly Republicans on their way out of an event at the White House. That's all they have to do. And leaders like Mitch McConnell will give them exactly what they want. I think that that is very dangerous. I think that's the existential threat to our republic. It's not a democracy. It's a republic. It's not liberty and justice for all if you sweep allegations of fraud under the rug because you just don't want to deal with it because that's going to be too big of a fight. A number of courts dismissed Trump's lawsuits, and I think it's fair to question whether those courts dismissing the lawsuits is evidence the way that the left wants to claim it as evidence. Well, if the court dismissed the case, then that's evidence that there's no merits to the case. Not so. That's not so. You had in the case of Wisconsin Supreme Court justices an accusation that the lawsuit seeking to overturn the fraudulent results of the 2020 election in that state, the lawsuit was racist. 
racist. Not only was the lawsuit racist, it was alleged, but it was a naked attempt to just keep their quote-unquote king in power. So you have this idea of judges and courts and such like that being these impartial venues that are looking at the evidence before they throw a case out, and then they're impartially saying either A, yes, this is compelling, or B, no, this is not compelling. What do you have in the way of a Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin who wants to throw a suit out because it's racist? What do you have there as far as impartiality? I don't think you have impartiality. The big idea on the part of Republicans and conservatives in cheering on a Trump presidency versus a Clinton presidency was that Trump would be able to appoint conservative originalist Supreme Court justices. We didn't want Hillary Clinton with her naked hostility, her open hostility for religious conviction, religious belief, religious liberty in this country. We didn't want Hillary Clinton with her radical ideas and her globalist agenda picking Supreme Court justices who were going to read into the Constitution anything she wanted. We didn't want that. And the reason we didn't want that is because we understood from experience, from a lifetime of experience in this country so far, in my lifetime, that judges don't always judge impartially. Judges don't always judge in a way that is consistent with truth that is consistent with the laws of our land as written. Judges very often rule like super legislators, as if they are making law and they are striking down law. They're legislating from the bench. We have no shortage of activist judges across the country who have made it their business to push the progressive agenda. That's not their job. That's not their role. Their role is to interpret the law, and to judge. The, the law as written, not the law as they wish it were written, not the law as it ought to be based on their ideas of utopia. So what happens when you get someone who is a judge who thinks that regardless of the evidence, the merits of the evidence of widespread, massive, coordinated voter fraud, they think what's in the best interest of the country is for Donald Trump to go away and for Joe Biden to be elected. What happens if you get somebody of the left throwing out lawsuits because they think the best thing for all of us is for the bad orange man to go away? What happens if Mitch McConnell and the Republicans do what Republicans have been doing for, I feel like, my entire life, and they cave and they surrender and they compromise their principles in the supposed interest of the country, even as they're giving the country over to radical leftists to make the decisions for them. If you give a mouse a cookie, they'll ask for a glass of milk. This is by and large what I expected from establishment Republicans from the get-go, and I was angry with them for throwing in the towel prematurely. I think that this is not justice. And I think that we get what we have coming to us as a country 
when people like Mitch McConnell represent us as conservatives, even supposedly the good people, what is truth? Mitch McConnell is playing Pontius Pilate in this show trial of the 2020 election. I find no fault in him, but I wash my hands. Do with him what you will. Who do you want given back to you? Who do you want released to you? Barabbas, the crowd chants and shouts and demands. Barabbas is a murderer. Barabbas is a bad man. Barabbas is guilty, actually. We don't care. We want Barabbas. In this case, we have the crowd shouting, crucify him. With regards to President Trump, we have the crowd shouting, we want Barabbas with regards to Joe Biden. And so that might just be the way that it is. It's par for the course for human nature. This is what we've become. Maybe. We'll see. I hope not. I hope there's enough fight left that this is not going to stick. This is not going to stand. I hope that basically the Republican senators and congressmen in the House of Representatives just flat out ignore Mitch McConnell. He may be in the position that he's in. That's fine. At the end of the day, though, that doesn't make him the be-all, end-all. We didn't just elect Mitch McConnell as a country, as conservatives, as Republicans. He was elected by the people of Kentucky. He may have been confirmed in his Senate majority leader position by fellow Republicans. That doesn't mean that they need to go along with him on every last little thing. I don't think that they should go along with him on this thing. We'll see what happens. So enough about that for right now. Next week is Christmas. And next week I begin editing my book in earnest. I'm excited about that. I'm expecting any time now to be getting feedback from the people that I sent my book out to. I need to make a couple of phone calls either this week or beginning of next week before I start editing the book and just talk with a couple of folks that uh, had encouraged me to call them. It's just been so busy with work and with the holiday season that I haven't been able to call them, but I intend to and talk about what their impression is of the book so far. What do you think uh, needs to be edited and worked on, worked over and polished, especially. And I'm thinking also, too, about doing the podcast thing through the holiday season. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. I think the shorter episodes like this are a lot easier to do. They're a lot easier to record. They're a lot easier to edit. And they're a lot easier to publish regularly. So I think I might be able to do this through next week, through the next two weeks, even as I'm working on my book. It wouldn't be the worst thing for me to do something in addition to working on my book and not just work on my book 24-7 for the next two weeks. But if I'm going to keep recording these 30-minute episodes for the next couple of weeks, if I'm going to record them daily and post them up daily, I think I might just do one about singing and about uh, Christmas carols, some of my favorite Christmas carols, Tis the Season, I actually enjoy singing quite a bit, and uh, it would be a little bit of a different episode if uh, I, I don't know, I shared with you a couple of my favorite Christmas carols, Tis the Season, and uh, if we take a break and step back from the whole political fracas for a little bit to look at the season that we're in and to remember that Christ was sent into the world, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, 
but have everlasting life. It's important for us to remember that. It is Christmas, and we should celebrate that, and we should have joy in that. And the rest of the world, it'll be there when we get back from Christmas. It'll still be the world, but the world is not the better for it if we forget what is good, if we forget what is true, what is pure, what is holy, what is acceptable to God. If we forget about that, we forget to celebrate that, then the world is not going to be better for it through Christmas or on the other side of Christmas. So anyway, just a little thought for you. In any event, thanks for listening. And uh, until tomorrow, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.